Welcome to the final episode of 2021 for Los Politicos. It's been a wild and hectic year, but we couldn't let the year go by without this final touch point. Three of us together talking shop about some of the highlights, but specifically the very final moments of 2021. So um, without further ado, we're going to do our introductions, which many of you already know us. But if you don't, we have Joel Alvarado, the New York and progressive Afro-Latino political operative who once called Brooklyn home but he's now a proud Southerner. And we have Jason Anavitarte, Senator Anavitarte, who another Puerto Ricano from Dallas, Georgia, and a national Republican leader, and myself, Chris Perlera, Salvadoran, Guanaco, transplanted by way of Massachusetts, then Athens, a UGA grad and a strategic partnerships and messaging consultant. And we're gonna have, let's see, Joel or Jason, do you guys wanna talk about some of our hopes and dreams for the new year, given that we don't have a special guest today. That's that's our segment swap. I'll defer to the uh, to the senator from rural Georgia. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's how they characterize themselves. Uh, <laughs> that's a good that's a good point. Why is that funny? You know what? It's my bias, my urban bias. I can't help that, man. No, but no, I'm a, I'm a, I'll definitely defer to my boy. Um, uh, Senator Anavitarte, and you guys started off, bro. No, I appreciate it. I, I mean, I think for me, 2022, just health, I mean, it may sound cliche, but I, I really believe health, prosperity, you know, we have so many folks sick with what's going on with COVID, concerns about the economy, kind of, you know, where we're going because of inflation. Um, you know, just a lot of challenges. I think a lot of families are kind of taken on the chin right now. And I think, um, we need to just kind of up, up, you know, uplift people in prayer and um, just be thinking about our neighbors and watching out for one another um, kind of in the big picture. I think there's gonna be a lot to do. It's an election year. So I think folks like us are gonna be pretty busy um, in our respective camps, you know, helping our friends and um, obviously for myself get reelected. But I think um, Georgia's on my mind and that's first and foremost besides family and the Lord. Amen. Uh, community and, then, and health. Yeah. And, and Jesus can't beat that. That's a, that's a great combination, <laughs> but I, uh, I concur. I think that, uh, I definitely want to offer my prayers and condolences to all who have suffered because of COVID one way or another, either the, they themselves or their family. Um, it's real, um, and it's dangerous. And I hope and pray that people will will uh, realize that getting vaccinated is the right way to go. And if you're vaccinated to get a booster shot, um, because, you know, it's a, you're doing a service for yourself, for your family and your community and your state when you protect it, right? Because then we can get closer to being normal. And to answer the question though, uh, first of all, I'm just so glad to be with y'all again. Every time we can kind of be together and be able to rap and talk and just kind of um, share our thoughts about the world of politics from a Latino lens is always great for my heart and my spirit. You know, I love both of y'all and I love being able to have these conversations with both of y'all. But for me in 2022, I am determined for us to be together physically in 2020, 2022. In 2021, I was somewhere with Chris, I was somewhere with Jason, but never us three together. The last time I think all three of us were together, gosh, I want to say is at the, at the old firm's office when we did the um, the the 50 most influential, is that the last time all three of us were in the same room together? 
Oh, I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, well, we sat in there for the virtual yeah. ceremony. Yeah. I think yeah. that's yeah. we got a good we got that good picture though. We did though, but man, that was a long time ago, way too long. So I'm <laughs> I'm committed to us three being together. I understand that uh, COVID and all that, but um, I definitely want to make sure that we are spending more time together, especially when you realize um, how fleeting life is because of you know COVID and all that transpired. Another thing too, I just put out there is. Um, as both of you well know, I've left uh, Ohio River South. Yesterday was officially my last day. Um, I've been there, I was there for two and a half years. I was the longest serving uh, person in the firm. I started when it was when it was uh, just about three or four of us. Now it's leaving and there's about 13, 14 people there. Love the work that I did there. Love the people I met and the opportunities that presented itself. But, like with everything in life, is there's change and there's growth, and I look forward in our first, um, our first episode in 2020, 2022 to be to announce where I'll be landing at. Um, I definitely think it's it's the right place at the right time to do the right type of work. So I'm excited about what 2022 has to offer. Yeah, and I, and I think it's, uh, and we'll talk more about that because that Joel's departure from that professional environment. Uh, also opens the doors for a lot of collaborations for him, him and I and Jason and I um, to be very creative and very, you know, intentional, not just about our own work, but about sharing opportunities uh, as part of our extracurricular, or our side hustles um, with other, you know, future Hispanic political talent in whatever capacity they may find themselves. And that's that's really a part of the theme of this show. Where we're talking about uh, this episode about Latinos and Hispanic community leaderships um, tipping the scales in politics, but not just, you know, by showing up, but by being like bona fide professionals. So, but without getting too into that, you know, I'm looking forward to a collaborating more with Joel and Jason. I, I don't feel the 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 um, the gap in terms of physical presence and being in the same room because I grew up playing video games online like this all the time. It's one of the main ways that I keep in touch with my brother. We play like two to three times a week. It's a video game, maybe an hour or two. So, so what was your favorite video game growing up? For me, growing up, it's still, actually, I still play it today. It's um, it's one of the Civilization series. And this is it's funny because a lot of political people that I describe it to, I got hooked on Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, which is basically a, a civilization builder. But it's really civilization, if you've ever heard of it. UGA mm -hmm. does their poli-sci and their international affairs classes based around this game. And you start with a settler, you build, there's an economy, there's religion, there's culture, there's science. Uh, and like, you basically have to, you have to keep happy, like all your people happy, there's military, there's diplomacy, and uh, the personalities of historical characters are also all, like mis mismatched. And so you don't know who's an aggressive person because there's a meme that goes out there. It's like, as soon as Gandhi gets access to nuclear weapons, he will absolutely nuke you. And that's hilarious because it's Gandhi. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but anyway, it's a fun game. Basically, it's if you could just run the world as a benevolent dictator uh, and mm. go for it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Every every political person is like, yeah, that sounds like a real relaxing game. Civilization Six is the highest version of it right now. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a lot different than like maybe Tech Techno Bowl or Rad Racer or yeah. Super Spy Mario Hunter. I go back to Spy, <laughs> Spy Hunter. Hunter. Very different. Now, <laughs> Dragon Slayer. If you want to get me super nerdy, in my one of my college life, I was a professional video gamer. I would literally go spend time with my girlfriend and then tell her, "Look, I got to leave for practice." And it was to practice to play Dota, which is now into Dota Two, and it's one of the like most played games in the world. You can make millions of dollars in championship money but i was in the initial cyber athletic league of north america cal 
uh, in the Cal Pro Tournament, in the Cal Amateur Tournament, sponsored and made it to the top four of North America for this game when I was in college. Uh, and that was the peak wow. of my professional video game prowess and peak nerd. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, you guys have seen my computer setup. I'm very, I'm a very big techie, very big uh, computer game nerd in general. Yeah, I was still trying to figure out how to play Duck Hunt. So, I mean. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice, nice. So well, I like, I'm glad to see that my tax, well, people's lottery dollars for the Hope Scholarship. I love to know that it went to your excessive athletic training in uh in video games but uh hey, hey, yeah that, that's and that's what leads me to you know next year one of the goals is becoming one of the few political folks in georgia that has an intrinsic and fundamental understanding of crypto blockchain and decentralized autonomous organizations and like what what like are what's the backbone and what legislators need to know which you know pretty much nobody knows in the political scene love it let's get it so all cool. right moving on to basically we're going into what's on our political mind we've already mentioned it and we talked about how you know in this past kind of municipal runoffs and municipal general elections we really saw a lot of presence out of hispanic leadership hispanic young professionals individuals um inside the city of atlanta and it's and it's a bit of a, a foreshadowing of what we're probably going to see in 2022 uh, as georgia i don't think anybody will deny that we are in play this is beyond a doubt a battleground state everybody knows it in the u.s all eyes on us but what happened in the city of atlanta is uh, is very telling and i think um joel had a very good uh kind of perspective and, and insight and being involved in uh, in engaging on the andre side for uh, you know congratulations mayor mayor elect still until the third mm -hmm. uh, andre dickens and then i had a very very you know a good vantage point in terms of city council president elect doug shipman and of course, um, you know, we'll get, we'll get some additional thoughts from Jason, but Joel, you want to take it away? Sure. Um, <clears throat> first, let's let me back up one and say that um, just thinking about our last guest, Mark Hugo Lopez, how he contextualized the the exponential growth, the continued growth of the Latino population in the Southeast and especially in Georgia, where Georgia is one of three southern states to have over a million Latinos living there. Right. So we have about um, one over one million Latinos living in Georgia, and in the metropolitan region, they saw we saw an increase of about thirty percent regarding Latinos living in the metropolitan area, about an eight to ten county region in the, in the Atlanta area. So, Latinos are growing, and in the city of Atlanta, um, Latinos make up about if I just focus on the voting population, let's just say it's about four thousand registered voters in the city of Atlanta. And so a lot of people will say, well, why focus on them? Because we know that Atlanta is not just a municipality, but it's the center of everything with regards to the state of Georgia, whether people want to admit it or not. Um, Atlanta and the mayor and the city council president have significant influence, not just within the city of Atlanta, but in the region and in the state. And it's important for both the mayor and the city council president to have strong relationship with the Latino community, Latino business leaders, Latino community leaders, and and other other individuals who represent the interests of Latinos in various spaces. Right. So, as uh, as uh, Chris was alluding to, um, I jumped in on the runoff, working with some phenomenal people. Juntos con Andre, I want to shout y'all all out. You know who you are. Thank you so much for the hard work you put in. I especially want to shout out Sophia Bork who had taken the lead from the beginning with regards to Andre and making sure that 
there was a um, there was room at the table for Latinos and Latino perspective and Latino interest with regards to to the overall campaign. And I appreciate her allowing me the opportunity to be uh, involved in a, in a high level in trying to do this work. And so because of because of us working together, um, a nice cross mixture of Latinos, uh, young, old, you know, those who have been in the game for a while, those who are just starting off, uh, we're able to do something um, important. And that is to ensure that Latino presence, Latino voice, Latino perspective was permeated um, in this final runoff part. And I'll say, Chris, you know this, um, the, the person that Andre ran against, Felicia Moore, she didn't have that type of presence regarding Latino on uh, uh, social media or having Latinos endorse her or doing um, Latinos fundraisers or anything of that nature. So um, I'm glad that that uh, that Mayor-elect Dickens was open and highly receptive to uh, the idea that Latinos need to need to assert themselves in the conversation. And I think it's bearing fruit, as you well know, um, we have a we've we've worked on putting together meetings with both the um, the mayor elect and the city council president elect, and I won't try to steal your thunder on that, um, Chris. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I'll just dip my toe in it uh, with Latino leadership from 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 across the region, right? And so that to have real conversations, and to my knowledge, I think it's the first time this has ever been convened, right? There might have been one on ones in the past, but to have like seven, eight Latino leaders meeting with the uh, the incoming uh, leadership in, in in Atlanta it's important that's, that's the way you want to start the relationship right and so yeah. that kind of leads me to just say that um, it's important for Latinos to be politically engaged um, we need to we need to assert ourselves we need to um, not just be at the table but we need to be the table we need to be the reason why people are coming together to meet right I didn't make that up I stole that from somebody um, that person knows who I stole it from. I appreciate the, I appreciate that analogy. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but also, we need to be working in solidarity with one another. So I appreciate the work that you're doing, Chris, on that regard, and bringing Latinos together to to have real conversations about how we can be working as one community for our own for our collective self interest. But also, uh, if you have the time and the talent and the desire, you should be thinking about joining. Um, with organizations that are doing the work. I am proud to be a board member of the Galeo, Galeo Impact Fund. I was just uh, uh, installed uh, this year. I'm excited to be working with Jerry, who I've known for over 20 years, and the, work, and the great work that Galeo does. I'm also excited to be working on the Government Affairs Committee for the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and working closely with, uh, with Veronica and trying to ensure that their, their vision uh, as it deals with polit politics and government relations is executed. And I'm also excited to continue to be working with the Ag Advocacy Committee with Latin American Association and helping Santiago uh, achieve his his goals as it, as it relates to government relations. So it's about putting in that work and it's about being, um, it's about talking to talk and walking to walk. And uh, in 2022, we need to do both if we really want to uh, ensure that Latino voices are heard and that Latinos are utilizing their voice, their vote, in order to get the outcomes we're looking for in this upcoming election cycle. Yeah, Joel just hit on a bunch of a bunch of points. I'm gonna try to circle it on back and, you know, I'm glad Joel is uh, is on the Galeo Impact Fund board because I had to resign while I was still working at DFAX uh, before I returned to my full-time consultancy. And so they have an upgrade in Joel and uh, we both serve on the LEA's advocacy committee. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because between, I mean, even the three of us, like, we represent a lot of trust between Senator Anavitarte, Jason, Joel, and myself. We touch the, the vast swath of some of the most prominent leaders in Hispanic-led and serving organizations in Georgia. And that's not that's not so much of a, a flex. It's a it, it really is this all relationship based. And they've seen us rise and grow and stumble and survive through our careers. Uh, you know, when people, you know, it's and it's about investing and it's um, about investing in each other and then encouraging each other. It's a strong feedback loop. And so getting back to you know, what we saw in the city of Atlanta is is a very concrete example of how Hispanic professionals and community leaders, as well as literal government and political affairs professionals came in hard and, and tipped the scales aggressively. You know, clearly mayor-elect Andre Dickens had a resounding victory, didn't work out for Felicia. I wish her the best. You know, she was a, she's a very kind woman and she always took every single call I asked for, every single meeting. I respect her. It just Absolutely. wasn't the time for her. And it was clear, you know, the, I think it was the most resounding victory for a mayor in the history of the city of Atlanta. And, you know, but that's not to say that you know, Hispanic young professionals, professionals and leaders, they were very, very front and center. And like Joel said, sometimes we're an afterthought. And even though we don't represent a huge base of the voters in the city of Atlanta, we showed up and we showed up in our Latinness, in our Hispanic identity. We were there to party. We were there to have a good time. We were there to cheer on, to give emotional support because we all know that you need some diehard fans and in, in when you're running for office because you need that emotional energy to continue and thrive and dial for dollars and, and ask for votes like whether it whether you're fundraising whether just you're cheerleading that's all very much an essential part of a campaign uh and you know i saw that from the doug shipman side latinos for doug you know shout out to umberto and uh, and julia and Cromet that they were really really kind of holding that together and making sure that they had a substantive activity inside you know rallying the small not just the small hispanic uh voter base in the city of atlanta but then eventually just turning into like this seasoned group of volunteers and, and organizers that could appeal to any voter and and i saw that transition and then you know myself where i had made a promise to doug and i said doug uh i'm you know i'm, I'm still at defects i can't get too involved until about uh, when I resign and my resign, my resignation goes through in the end of September. But count, when, when you make the runoff, count on me. And I over I over promised myself, but I feel like I delivered. And I just I was on the phone with Doug in the campaign uh, like every single day, then maybe every other day, like kind of doing what I do. You know, in, in campaigns is usually some kind of combination of political director and or messaging director and doing my part even though I wasn't at every single Latinos for Doug event, but just making sure that uh, somebody who I respect, and I know Joel has a, has a great relationship with Doug as well. And he has always been incredibly kind to our Hispanic community across the board. And so I just, you know, treated him like a full on client and I was with him in, in, a, in a race where is, it was visible and obvious to anybody who's from politics, the soft preference for the city of Atlanta's council presidency was Natalie Archibald. There's no argument about that, but eh, we could also tell it wasn't a diehard, like fervent, it has to happen. It wasn't like Andre versus Felicia. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, well, if Doug wins, it's not the end of the world. They just didn't, mm -hmm. they didn't have that 20 year history. Um, and so I'm, I have a, a tendency for rebellious campaigns and being involved with people that I think have very highly of. And I'm like, I hate the fact that people are not giving you the, the benefit of the doubt, the, the opportunity to prove yourself. And so, 
uh, I was, you know, very fortunate that Doug and his campaign manager was like, sure, we'll take everything you got. And I was like, cool, I'm here to dump a lot of advice and relationships on you. Uh, but it is very interesting to see us come into our own in, in this metropolitan microcosm or macrocosm, because we're about to see that blow up next year in 2022, mm -hmm. adding on to that wish list. We're going to see we have operatives in, in friends in basically family and politics because, you know, trauma forges relationships and fire. And when you survive campaigns and political operations and and messaging operations like you really become family with a lot of people. We have like Hispanic people involved in the Ossoff campaign and the staffers and Warnock and like Kelly Leffler's operation. We we have a network of Hispanic political operatives that whether known or unknown are out there making concrete differences in both very overt and very subtle ways. So it's a very exciting time to do what we do. And we're just really excited that people are taking our, our support wholeheartedly with open arms, whether it's just volunteering or literally brass tacks, like we need a professional to engage with us. And right. they're paying us what we're due. You know, to before uh, our, our good friend and Senator jumps in, I think he's also an example of this that <clears throat> What we're talking about is the political maturation of uh, of the Latino community, and we had, and I've been doing this long enough where I've been waiting for that moment where it seems like a political infrastructure is is forming, and that the politicization of Latinos and Latino voters, and also the the willingness of Latinos to be fully engaged in various ways in politics in Georgia is starting to come together at the right time. You know, somebody like Jason is an example of that, right? And so I just, before Jason, you jump in, I just wanted to kind of frame it that way that I believe that we're moving into a new stage in regards to Latinos and it's and, and our level of engagement and also the, the level of seriousness people will have to take with regards to who we are and what we bring to the table and the respect we deserve as Georgians, as voters, and as, and as key members of this, uh, this community and this region. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the comment I wanted to make is I think, you know, the with the campaigns over now, it's like time for the real work. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'll, I'll give a, you know, just give a congratulations to the mayor elect and his victory. Um, I think he's got a very difficult job. I think he's only got, you know, one opportunity, I think, to get it right, because his predecessor has not gotten it right with the crime levels and things we've seen in Atlanta. Um, I think, Chris, when you talk about, you know, the impact of Latinos, while maybe there's not a large Latino population that lives in the city limits of Atlanta, I think the broader implication is, you know, what does it mean for business and life and, and prosperity, you know, throughout, you know, the greater state of Georgia with Atlanta being the capital city? And what does that mean for, you know, our friends that are trying to start businesses um, throughout Metro Atlanta? Um, and what are people who want to invest in Georgia and want to invest in, in Atlanta? What are the optics? What are the stories? What are they hearing? You know, the positive things um, versus every time you turn on Channel 2 or Fox 5 or whatever, you know, there's there's a shooting at Lenox Mall or something crazy going on. And I think those are the challenges that I think the mayor elect has in front of him. Um, and I'm saying that as somebody who, you know, is, is a native Atlanta, born and raised in Atlanta. and um, here in Georgia. So I, I think there's some challenges ahead. And I, and I think those narratives, um, you know, as we talk about, you know, just the pure politics of it, um, you know, is, is really, you know, ripe and opportune, I think, for 
why we're seeing a lot of Latinos, you know, moving towards Republican agenda. Um, you know, just the economic issues nationally, you know, the issues concerning, you know, family income. It seems to be like there's less and less of it because more, more and more things are becoming more and more expensive. Um, but I think, I think it's kind of the, the climate and, and times that we're in. So Andre being a Georgia Tech graduate should hopefully, like myself, should hopefully, uh, you know, do him well. But, you know, um, I think he's got a, a rough road ahead in terms of maybe not rough road, but he's, he's got a lot of work ahead of him, I think, to establish himself and, you know, build the bridges, I think, not just within his party, but also I think within my party, um, you know, to at least have a dialogue. Because I know he and I are not going to agree on everything there's probably a lot of things we don't agree on but um but i think willing to at least have a conversation um to to figure out where do we go in terms of an entire state and you know leading the southeast in the country i think is important so i mean jason of course he's he's gonna make his republican plug for for conservative uh, latinos across georgia and but you know uh, all hyperbole aside i don't have to, don't have to make the plug chris it's, <laughs> it's true it's, it's true. just naturally yeah. happening I'm, i mean I'm, I'm giving you the acknowledgement i was like listen like if you whatever look, if you look at the uh the spread of the the what is it the kemp versus abrams uh last time like it, it wasn't like a resounding group of voters out of the hispanic community either way it was actually fairly close uh and in an election where you know if last year or last time you know it was won by tens of thousands of voters you know any community has those and so we again will be put in a position where both parties are gonna fight tooth and nail to convince mm -hmm. hispanic voters that they are the better party and as, as somebody who has literally worked on both sides of the aisles like i i can find plenty to criticize and plenty to compliment um, yeah, and in many in many instances in my past, you know, uh, the the both communities have been overlooked and both have been promised things. So, you know, unfortunately, it's um, it, it ends up being like, what's the least damaging thing for our community is oftentimes the narrative we hear. Well, and at the end of the day, like, I mean, we, we, we shouldn't be taken for granted because mm -hmm. the margins matter. I think, I mean, in, in this world we're living in right now, we're you know, family is important to everybody, limited government with, I mean, just the excessive spending and everything we're seeing right now with the federal government. I mean, these are the things that I think our community are, are gonna wanna talk about debate. Um, I, I still, as I'll tell Joel, like, I think we're gonna win those voters over, but at the end of the day, I think these are the things that are really top of mind in terms of safety, economy, health and well-being, and prosperity. Um, you know, whether you're living in Atlanta, Georgia, or you're living on the, uh, the, the border in Texas um, with border security. So I think that's kind of where we're at as a country and a state. Um, and we need to have more of these conversations. And I think we're also going to continue to see, and I know Chris will talk about it later, just seeing more Latinos, I think, running for office in Georgia. Oh, yeah. Big list. Um, you know, as we uh, go into 2022. And the thing is, too, is that, um, <clears throat> so I agree with that. I think I have no problem with. You heard that, Chris. He said he agrees. I, well, now, now, no. Now that we can't be forgotten. We can't be taken for granted. Now with that conservative uh, diatribe that you offered, <laughs> what I agree with is, what I agree with is that I want for both parties to work to earn the support of Latinos, right? And I'm the type of person where, look, I'm a progressive. I wear my Democratic uh i wave my democratic flag everybody knows that um that i i bleed blue but i also understand that our democracy works better when we have two strong 
uh, parties or more that are maybe or in more the possibly, but possibly, but at least two where ideas could be exchanged in the public and ideas could be challenged, they could be debated, they could be um, they, where we're not succumbing to groupthink and where people are just like, oh, well, they said it, so it has to be true. No, I want I want to engage in that debate. I think it's important for us to have those types of conversations. And so I look forward to Jason and I doing more of that as the session goes on, um, just to kind of offer perspective of why we think uh, certain policy measures are beneficial and certain not. But let me just say this, that, you know, you brought up a good point, Jason, in that it's not always, not also about the, about the elected officials or the parties or what have you sort of coming in to, to represent the interests of Latinos, but Latinos need to know what it is that they want. They need to, they need to be able to articulate what issues are important to them, frame those, frame them, those, those issues, and then um, hold the elected officials accountable for uh, ensuring that they address those issues that they brought before them, right? So who's leading that conversation? And that's why it's important for folks like us to be working again in solidarity with um, with organizations that represent Latinos because we are political operatives. We live politics, right? This is what we do. And, and it's important for us to be working with others who also care about politics, understand its importance to, to, to develop um, the language uh, to uh, that states clearly, authoritatively, you know, uh, unequivocally, this is who we are, this is what we care about, this is how we want you to deal with it. And if you don't, then there will be accountability uh, during the next election cycle. We got to get to that point. Yeah. Well, and, and, I, and, I, and I think the opportunity we have too is even though I know we, we spend a lot of time talking about state and local politics, I think the geopolitical discussion is we look at, you know, a lot of the oppressive nations across the country, whether it's China, Russia, Venezuela, and we're seeing a lot of families, I think, within Latin America wanting to come to the United States to, to escape a lot of these, you know, dictators and bad leaders, um, you know, for prosperity and for their families, um, I, think, I think kind of weaves into a lot of the discussion that, you know, Joel, you and I probably have our own viewpoints, but, you know, in terms of how we debate, you know, what's going on the geopolitical, perspective and what does that mean in West Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, or in, within the Southeast? Because, you know, trade, everything that happens with the Savannah port, I mean, all of that is impacting Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you're going to see some of that conversation be between myself and I'm sure I'll be debating some of your friends in terms of, you know, what, what role should, you know, some of these countries have as it relates to our economy in Georgia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, for sure. That's, that's going to happen. Um, I want to bring it back to, you know, ah, we're going to run a little long. That's okay. Um, it, you know, the, the, the art of asking and knowing what to ask for and making it a proportional ask. It's something I tell friends and clients all the time. It's like, you never want to show up with a person that clearly has something for you and they're expecting you to ask for something. And then you ask for nothing or ask for something so trivial that they know that you're not even thinking about serious things. You want to come in with a concrete ask that is within the power of the person or organization you're asking. And you want to come in with a compromising ask and you want to come in with, you know, some reconciling asks, like as like something that can build the, the relationship. But a lot of times we've seen our friends that we, we've operated from a position of weakness for too long. And I like to think of it as like operating from a position like the underdog that, that can punch above its weight that has more reach than it than than its arm can naturally give it as a community 
And we're we're like we need to ask for things. We need to come in and ask for things and not just beg for breadcrumbs. And that's why the kind of just like that that really structured meeting with an agenda that, mm-hmm. that Joel, you know, made sure hey, it's like, hey, Hispanic leadership, like, you know, and you, you guys know who you are, you know, the the GGs, the the Ser Familias, the LCF, the LEAs, the chambers, you know, to like come Galeos. in with concrete Galeos come in with concrete questions. Let's not mm-hmm. just like throw spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks and real talk and be like we know that this these may cost political points but these are the things that we want these are the things that we need and these are the things that we can we can survive with yeah well you got to have skin in the game and you got to you know be contributing i think that's you know how you know to have you know being a stakeholder and have a seat at the table and i think the policy making that goes on um you know, I think for all of us individually, it's you know, what are we contrib- what are we contributing to the greater good? Because you know, um, the government can't pay for everything. So at the end of the day, how are we binding people, organizations, the business community, um, everybody together? I think to solve problems, and I think that's the long term. I think solution to a lot of the challenges we face as a state. Well, you know, talking about skin in the game, Chris, I think that's a great uh, segue to the next part in that, oh, yeah. you know, one way to have skin in the game is to actually run for office, right? Yes, and uh, so shout, shout out those folks who who are either in office or intend on running for office this next cycle that we, we want to just put a spotlight on. Yeah, there's there's actually a lot of um, historic and then just um, just cool people running. So, of course, um, for re-election, Zuma Lopez and and, um, and Pedro Marin, the and dean, the dean and um, you know, both Puerto Ricans, um, which you we you can I know some people like to discuss why so many Puerto Ricans are the ones running. That's a whole episode of it of itself. Um, but you also have, you know, John King, which, you know, you may love, you may hate, you may feel some other way about him, but he is Mexican AF, as the kids would say. And um, his friend he, of the show, friend of his the show, friend of the show, and you know, and he uh, he's actually fairly gregarious. And when you hear him talking Spanish, you're like, yo, this guy's really freaking Mexican. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but he goes by John King, and he's you know he's running a Trump style playbook, so that may be off putting for some. And um, but you know his real name, his original name was Juan Reyes. Um, so, but we also have let's see, we got Jason Estevez running for Senate. Um, right. I guess he's still current Atlanta Public School Board president. He has to he resign is. once he qualifies. Correct. Um, so uh, he would be our first Afro-Latino uh, senator. He would be our second Puerto Rican. Actually, what's where's Sam Zimaripa from? He's uh, he's Mexican. I think okay. his mom is Mexican and his father, I think, was Scottish. Okay, so there you go. So he'd be our second Puerto Rican uh, senator. And he'd be our first Afro-Latino senator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have another another brother who is um, I want to say he's half Colombian. I can't remember where his uh, his other half is from, but he's black and Hispanic. Uh, Phil Ole Olalegi mm-hmm. out of out in Summerhill, and, and I, I've gotten to know him as a fellow forty under forty for the Georgia Trend. Just salt of the earth human being. I immediately was like, hey, I'm pretty sure like a million people have asked you to run for office. He's like, funny that you should say that. Uh, and so he's going to be running for state house and one of the recently new carved out seats inside the city of Atlanta. So he's not replacing anybody or trying to replace anybody, um, but it's a brand new seat. Um, Michelle Berges Schreiner, who I met while I was helping my ex-partner, uh, Representative B. Nguyen, currently running for Secretary of State. Her seat is, is empty and I'm pretty sure Michelle, is, she's a Puerto Rican woman. She's very smart. She's a doctor, PhD doctor. And she's, she officially announced uh, about a week ago 
and so that will be another Latina uh, potentially in the state house. I feel pretty good. I'll, I'll be helping her out. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have we have our tried and true mayor of Loganville, Ray Martinez, uh, who he's running for state house. And I don't think anybody else is still declared. Jason, mm-hmm. have you seen anything, Joel? No. Mm-hmm. So he and he's he's, he's he's a shoe in. Let's hope he was the first Latino mayor in Georgia. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so he he may join the house as as a very conservative mayor. Uh, and he he also was like Latinos for Trump for Georgia, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, the chair. So like you, some very interesting dichotomies inside our own state uh, state of Georgia political delegation. And let's see who else we got. I'm, I, as a point of personal privilege, I'll give my friend uh, Nabila Islam, who ran for Congress against Carolyn Bordeaux. She dates a Hispanic man. So uh, we'll give her points for adjacency and she's practicing her Spanish, but she's also part of that immigrant child diaspora. So, you know, just generally immigrants being elected into and the children of immigrants being elected into Georgia's elected offices is very representative that, you know, the, the times are changing, that people are just looking for fresh leaders that are not beholden to traditional power structures that are willing to, like we said, put your skin into the game, roll up your sleeves and get to work on behalf of everybody in their districts. But I will <laughs> say this, though, I think um, we, we all three of us can can attest that 2022 is going to be a significant year for Georgia. And what I would ask as we move into the new year is for Latinos to be ready to engage fully, regardless of your political affiliation, be registered to vote, uh, learn what the issues are, learn who the candidates are, and find a way to engage yourself in the political process. You cannot, we cannot accept things happening to us, we have to make things happen for us. So I want I want to leave everybody with that. Have a peaceful, have a have a safe and secure New Year's Eve. Um, I want to tell my brothers that I love y'all. I appreciate y'all um, that the work you do. I appreciate the men that you are. I appreciate you allowing to have this time to, to spend with you in order to um, to talk. Um, to laugh and to engage about issues that are collectively important to us and to our community. Well said. Jason, do you have any closing remarks before I officially wrap us up? Yeah, I, I'm just going to say as a, I can't even believe the words are going to come out of my mouth, but as a Georgia Tech graduate, I'm going to um, wish, wish well the University of Georgia against Michigan <laughs> on uh, New Year's Eve. So go beat the Wolverines and uh, represent our state well, and and, and I got to give a sh- just a shout out to my Atlanta Hawks. Like, I mean, they're just beaten up with COVID. Three quarters of the roster is gone, and um, I, I'm really worried we're not going to make the playoffs. But hope hope Trey Young and all those guys just hang in there, and you know, just keep battling it out and representing it, representing Atlanta and Georgia. Go Hawks! All right. I like I like the spirit of unity right there. And also go dogs since I am a UGA Bulldog, even though I'm not the biggest on school spirit, but I do appreciate them because my degree appreciates every time they do well. (laughs) (laughs) So um, so that's a wrap. Thank you very much. Gracias por su atención. Thank you for listening. And if you want to know more about us, go to www.lospoliticos.net. Follow us wherever your favorite podcasts are found, including Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and more. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos pronto. Bye-bye.